This is Jeff Coker, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast, where we have a really big show. <laughs> I have to say a really big show because it's about show. Show is one of Disney's four keys for creating excellence, for creating happiness in their parks, for creating a great guest experience. We have in previous podcasts looked at other of the four keys, particularly safety and courtesy. There are four, safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. Today we are about show. And it's really hard to talk about show without showing you something about it. So make sure you take a look at our show notes page, literally, because it's going to give you lots of visual examples of the things we're talking about today. It's so important that we really take the time to illustrate what it means to provide good show. Um, in uh, the daily operation of Disney, but also in your own operation. What does that look like? I think that's really important because while I work with a lot of organizations to establish their own standards, many of them will come up with things like courtesy, things like efficiency, maybe even safety as it's defined in terms of trust, like in a bank, do I trust my money to be in, in the vault? But show doesn't always come across in the same literal way because few operations, few companies, few businesses put on a show the way Disney puts on a show. And yet the things that create for such a great show at Disney are really transferable or at least can translate back to your own operation. And so we're going to look at really uh, several different things today that really can be applied back to your business, back to your organization. First of all, as we've done with safety and courtesy, I want to talk first about Disney's service behaviors for show. As mentioned in earlier podcasts and posts, Disney has articulated certain cast member expectations, certain behaviors that is expected of the cast when they are on stage with the guests. Let me identify what those are. The first is I stay in character and perform my role in the show. Uh, you do that by three things. You use themed language and actions that support the story of my area. You preserve the magic and you model the Disney look. Now, um, let me just build on that for, for a few minutes. I have a business partner with my organization, World Class Business or World Class Benchmarking. We are partners in that business. And my business partner, Mark, has been with Disney for decades before he retired and we joined up in partnership. He began in being best friends, is the language we use for. Um, for being uh, associated with the special Disney characters. Particularly, he was very involved with Goofy and Pluto and Br'er Bear and other figures, characters like that. And let me tell you, my, my business partner was always, is always a casual kind of guy. 
he tells it like it is and so forth. But if there was one place Mark was always adamant about preserving the magic, it was with these Disney characters. There were things you did not do. In fact, you know, a guy, he could have taken a lot of photos backstage during those years. Photos where people were in part costume and so forth. He never did that. That was a rule and he never crossed that line because he felt very strongly it was important to preserve the magic. And the Disney look, as it's referred to, has been talked about for decades. It has evolved over time. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But that too has been a part of being in character and performing one's role in the show. When you talk about using theme language and actions, you don't say, hi, y'all, when people are coming into Tomorrowland or when individual is being welcomed to Germany at World Showcase. You want to use the appropriate language and actions that support a particular thematic area. The second major behavior set expected of cast members is I ensure my area is show ready at all times. Now, the first behavior is really about your behavior, how you come across in the show. This is about how you support the rest of the show. You do so by keeping areas clean and well-maintained, and you take action to correct or report distractions from the show. Having the right processes in place to clean up something, to take care of something. Did you know, do you know what, uh, you know what a protein spill is? <laughs> that is show language. We don't say, say, we don't get on the radio and say, hey, somebody just puked over here. We say we have a protein spill over here um, that needs to be taken care of. And, and so we use certain language to take care of an incident where someone is thrown up. And then, oh, by the way, we have materials and tools in place ready on hand. It looks like a sawdust material that you actually throw on top of somebody who's thrown up. I know this is a bad way to start a podcast, talk about throwing up. But you have those materials in place so that you can quickly clean up and, and move away. The other day, we were shuttled in the queue for Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. There was nobody in the queue, and in the, in the cave portion of this queue, and, and at one point, we were being shuttled out of the queue, out to the backstage area, which I thought was poor show, especially because then they had us wait there for, for several minutes before we went back in. At first, I thought they were doing that because uh, they, we didn't need to go through the entire cave to get to the front of the queue, that they were kind of having us bypass that. But we waited so long in the backstage area, I thought, this is not really a great show to have us standing in the backstage area. What I learned later is actually there was a protein spill in one of the cave rooms. And what they were doing was moving us away from it so they could do cleanup on it and not have us walk around it or being, or being having the smell of that, which we'll talk a little later about senses and so forth. So you can see that there are there are processes in place to, to correct and report a distraction that might be um, part of the show. So this is just to give you a taste of, of all that we're gonna talk about. And we're gonna cover many, many aspects of this show and how 
the expectation is on cast members to present a great show and how cast members must support a great show. First, let's talk about the Disney look and how it is emphasized. In um, Disney's own website, this is what they say about the Disney look. At Disney Parks and Resorts, quote, at Disney Parks and Resorts, we've become famous for our friendly, classic appearance. This look is not a coincidence, but a result of our cast members' support of the appearance standards, or as we call it, the Disney look. By the way, we don't call it grooming standards. You groom a pet. You talk about appearance standards. The, quote, the Disney look is a classic look that is clean, natural, polished, and professional, and avoids quote, cutting edge, end of quote, trends or extreme styles. It is designed with our costumed and non-costumed cast members in mind. Our themed costume cast members are a critical part of enhancing the experience of our Disney show. And our non-costume cast members also play an important role as representatives of the Disney brand. We're going to talk a lot about brand because while you may not have a, a big show, um, you do have a brand and you want to make sure that everything identifies with that brand. The quote continues, regardless of the position you hold with us, when you take pride of your appearance, you become a role model for those around you and you convey the attitude of excellence that has become synonymous with the Disney name. Now, some people have said, well, you know, that Disney look isn't what it used to be. Uh, they now allow men to wear beards and uh, women to have larger earrings than they used to and so forth. And I, I don't disagree with that perception. I miss some elements of that. I think that the challenge with beards, while they've said, um, initially they said, you can have a beard, but you have to grow it out on your break or on your vacation. You can't be growing it out while in your role on stage. They've kind of evolved away from that, but the long and short of it is, I see a lot of straggly looking facial hair. That there are just men who just don't cut it when it comes to facial hair, and so they look straggly and they don't create that right appearance. As for whether or not somebody has nail polish as a woman, I, I, you know, I'm just not so caught up in a lot of this. And I have a lot of clients who say, well, what do you think our appearance uh, standard should be? What do you think that should look like? Well, for me, I um, I look, at, I think more important than the Disney look is the principle of good show, bad show. How do you present yourself as an employee to create the best show possible? Are you as an employee distracting from the products and services you're trying to deliver because of that tattoo, because of that look and feel that you present yourself. The challenge is that Disney's look, in my opinion, has been so focused on everything from earrings to beards to nail polish, and especially the costume, which by the way, they do an amazing job of washing tens of thousands of costumes a day. So that is an amazing thing. And as great as that all is, um, that I think it has um, made other things, particularly certain behaviors on stage, second-class citizens to how they look. 
And yet, and so in terms of delivering a great show and great service, should we be more focused on certain behaviors like, is the cast member present? Are they focusing on the guest? Are they providing direct eye contact? Are they listening? Are they getting what the guest is saying to them? Are they showing empathy? And importantly, a smile makes up for so much. Now, we talked about a lot of these things with courtesy, but it also affects show as well. And you'll find that many of these behaviors do affect more than one thing. Let me give you an example of why I think these things matter more. If you have been to an Apple store, you know that things like um, uh, earring size or having a tattoo is not an issue with becoming an Apple um, employee. Uh, they don't focus so much on costumes, although everybody wears the same shirt to know who they are. They don't even do the name tag thing, really, which I think honestly would be a benefit to Apple employees. Um, yet, I think Apple employees do an amazing job. They do a great job. My daughter is uh, a manager in Apple store in New York and um, Fifth Avenue, and, and we talk about the quality of service expected and the the effort to be attentive, to handle guest needs, to handle the needs of guests from variety of international experiences and so forth. I think that is the most important thing. And yes, do I think that the appearance should um, not distract from the brand or the products or the services you're providing? Absolutely, absolutely. The Disney look is important, but the Disney behavior of a cast member is even more critical to the guest experience. And by the way, let me just say, a smile, as it says in a small world, a smile means friendship to everyone. So smile is so important, but a smile doesn't have to be among just cast members. It could be in the setting as well. So think about how do we smile at our guests when they first arrive at the Magic Kingdom or at Disneyland Park, there is this floral Mickey. And it provides that greeting, that friendliness, that smile means friendship to everyone. And in fact, even when you get to the clock at Small World, what's the dominant feature? It is this the smiling face on the clock going back and forth. A smile can be in so many different areas. And one of the things we want to emphasize is that um, these things are not just, a show is not just um, for cast members. It's not just even for the setting. It is for the processes, for our products and services. The show is everything. So that's, that's tab one. Tab two, the show must go on. Keeping areas clean, well-maintained. Think about the things that Disney does to make sure that the show goes on. First, testing rides and attractions before they're putting, before they're put into daily operation in the parks. Make sure that they're up and running uh, every day before they go into daily operation. Building attractions and shows that are meant to last for decades and not just for a few months or for the season. Testing materials and products in advance to make sure they can 
they put up with wear and tear. One of the things I remember that was in the Epcot get, um, cast services area, where only the cast members saw, where they came and went, is you walk in and you would see all this different types of carpet, <laughs> um, uh, carpets and rugs, and they all looked, it, it was kind of this mishmash of carpet. And it looked bad show, really, for even the cast member area. But what they do there is they know that thousands of cast members are coming and going every day through that main corridor in the guest services building. They have car carpet manufacturers that come to them. Oh, yeah, we got a lifetime guarantee on our carpets. Oh, oh, okay. Well, let's test it out. They put it down there into the... Um, into the uh into the guests into the cast uh services area and they test it out and sure enough it doesn't take more than a few weeks to see what carpets really do last and how well they're maintained that's an important issue disney does not want to pull up and replace their carpet all the time they want carpet that looks nice and so testing those things and that's just carpet then you go into everything else that you have having large teams of people working third shifts to get the park up and running for the next day. So have you ever walked in at the very, very, very beginning of the day at the park? It is just precious. Everything looks clean and sparkly. Um, changing out light bulbs when they have burned out. I have a picture in the show notes of the Candy Palace at Disneyland. And you know, you think about all the lights, the ping pong lights on Main Street. Well, you forget all the lights are inside these shops as well. And that's only one land in the park. It goes on and on and on. But just keeping things like light bulbs um, changed out. Constantly assigning custodial crews to maintain and clean restrooms. Having uh, costumes on hand. We I, I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah, you know, there is a costume there is a location behind Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World dedicated just to taking care of scores of thousands of costumes every day to keep that rotation going. And, and to make it easier for the cast members, we uh, costuming makes it possible for them to take out up to five sets of costumes a week so that they can change at home and dress and not have to have to go through all that rigmarole when they get to the parks. And so that means all the more costumes that have got to be taken care of and make sure they're ready to go in a variety of sizes so that um, so that uh, guests can, uh, so that the cast members can have the costumes they need. Added to that, then you have, on top of the cast member costumes, you have the animatronics. Yes, the animatronics all have costumes. And by the way, they all have backups because any one of them can spill some oil and all of a sudden that costume is ruined. Do you then end the show and you have to wait, you know, a few days for some seamstress to create a new costume? You always have backup costumes on hand. And when you look at those costumes, those are amazing. Amazing because not only is the attention to detail on even something as simple, and I show an image of this, of a costume, it's a small world. The, the detail on a small doll costume at small world, but then also to make that costume easy for the cast members to come and take off and fix 
whatever needs to be fixed inside the doll and then put back easily so that it goes. By the way, did you know that there are costumers and particularly cosmetologists that get to work at three o'clock in the morning, going back to our third shift, they come in at three o'clock in the morning to get costumes and to check the costumes and the makeup of the animatronics before the show opens. This is the kind of dedication to show. In another example, you see all these beautiful flowers, like right now, um, Epcot is getting ready for its Flower and Garden Festival, and there will be hundreds of thousands of flowers. What you don't see on stage is for every set of costumes, say say the, uh, the, the potted containers in Italy, which they, they just do these container gardens that are so gorgeous and so full of color and, and uh, floral decor. Well, guess what? For every one of those flowers, there's a backup on hand right behind, right backstage, that in, if, if the gardener is looking at it, again, they come in early in the morning to get that, to make sure everything's ready, to water, take care of it. We mow the lawns before the guests come in. Oh, these are so many things going on. But there are backup flowers. In case one looks dead, we're taking one out and we're putting one in. Very seldom do they even take them out of the little containers. They just put them in there and cover it up with a little topsoil and move the next one through. Um, another example is imagine for a moment that you decide you want to change the price of your coke uh, your medium coke at disney well let me just tell you first of all as for consistency's sake you're not going to make that choice by yourself as a shop you're going to have the same price for your out for your eight or ten ounce coke that the store next to you is going to have so there's consistency in pricing Furthermore, when you decide to make that choice, you're not going to just stick up some handwritten sign. I have a picture in the show notes page. Again, I love this. Um, this was taken at Downtown Disney at Disneyland. Please proceed upstairs to be seated. Thank you. It was a handwritten sign put in front of the podium um, in the front of the Rainforest Cafe. I can tell you that is... That is bad show. And the expectation at Disney is you never put a handwritten message. Um, just throw something up there as a handwritten sign. You don't have that going on. That just doesn't happen. Uh, another example uh, is having a rainy day plan because even on rainy days, the show, what, must go on. And so I show an image of the parade and you can see specially um, tailored ponchos for the cast members in the um, Tokyo parade at Tokyo Disneyland. Um, the message from all of this is uh, keeping your operation fully functional and always ready for business is an absolute must. You may not have the show. You may not have ping pong lights all over. You may not have um the the animatronics or or a, a a jungle cruise or a pirates of the caribbean but whatever you have as a show the show must go on that operation must go on and you must have it ready to go fact is it not true that the operation is usually open and ready before so how often do you come into into 
uh, into a Disney park before opening. The front of the area is set up so you can come in, get organized, set up, get a stroller, uh, take care of some immediate needs before the rest of the park opens. You got a store, you got a business. Is your show not only ready to go on it on, at on time, are you open? Because I can tell you, I've been to Nordstrom's and Nordstrom's will open 15 minutes in advance. That means their employees have got to be there in advance 15 minutes before. It's that kind of thinking. How ready are you, is your operation for what goes on? Next item. You separate the onstage from the backstage. Those are Disney terms. In fact, that probably is one of the first areas. Um, Disney utilizes a language that is stated on stage in front of the other guests. We've talked about that in other podcasts and posts. Uh, you don't talk, you don't refer to them as customers. You refer to them as guests. You don't talk about, uh, you refer to it as on stage and backstage. In other words, the part that the guest should see is on stage. The part the guest should not see is, is backstage. Not only do we utilize the language that is stated on stage in front of other guests, importantly, we do not talk about certain matters in the earshot of other guests. There are things that your customers should not be hearing employees talk about. <laughs> Their lousy boss for being one of those things or how frustrating it is to work there or whatever it might be. You do not want that experience. Um, you do not want that experience within earshot of the get of your customers. Two, you want to be clear about what areas are open to your to your customers and which are not. At Disney, those areas that are open to guests, and we could do a whole podcast. We will, by the way, do podcasts and posts on all these individual things over time because there's so much fun stuff to talk about. I could do a post on all the different unique ways of saying cast members only, but it's not cast members only. It's something really clever. Uh, for instance, I, I have a sign in the post that shows boardwalk uh, barkers only, which is which is an ironic thing because there is no barker barking at Disney. That's bad show. Uh, and yet we say boardwalk barkers because that's carnival talk and it's appropriate to store, Toy Story Mania over at Disney California Adventure. We have lots of signs that really just really remind guests not to go in this direction um, because sometimes they don't know which direction to go. And so we provide those cast member only um, instructions. Three, by providing areas backstage for cast members to let their hair down and be away from the guest. Uh, you know what? This, this could be the simplest thing your retail operation or your place of business could do. Make sure there's a place for your employee to take a cigarette break or to go grab a drink and just let their hair down away. How many times have I been in front of a Walmart, in front of a Target, and there's, and there's an employee sitting there smoking a cigarette? You have spent millions of dollars creating an, a, a retail operation or a place of business that looks attractive, that looks customer friendly, and then you have your employees standing in front smoking a cigarette? Really? Is that really the message you want to send? Disney provides areas, in fact, they've just talked about um, having redone many of these areas and having spent significant dollars. 
at Walt Disney World to improve some of these backstage areas for the cast members to make them more comfortable areas. Disney, Walt didn't want to spend a lot of money backstage because he wanted his in nice offices and fancy places. He did that for his animators, but he didn't want to for his operation staff at the parks because he wanted them out in the parks on stage. But still, you need to have a place to let your hair down. And that includes providing both outdoor and indoor facilities. Because somebody who works in indoor all the time, they want to go outside and get a breath of fresh air. Meanwhile, those who've been out in the hot sun, they want to get into the air conditioning. So you want to provide uh, both whenever possible. Next, make sure guests can't be in areas that are unsafe or under construction. You simply want to make sure that they're not going to step into something that's going to end up in a lawsuit for you. One of the photos I put in the in the site here, uh, it's one of the craziest things I saw them ever do at Disneyland. They changed out all of the trolley tracks, which, if I'm correct, had not been changed out since day one. Um, I might be confused on that. But those trolley tracks run down the, main the center of Main Street. And so they put in fencing all the way down Main Street. It was not... It was not attractive in the sense of how you like to enjoy Main Street, but it did take away the construction and it made it safer for guests to go through that area and not get themselves in trouble. And they made it as thematic and kind of, it was a balance between being thematic to the area, but also kind of in a tone and a color of beige um, that would move your eyes away from that and toward um, the shops on Main Street. Next, putting tools, facilities, and part of the operation away from the view of the guests. That's, uh, we show a picture of the Utilidor, being able to run pipes, being able to run service vehicles, cargoes, moving packages, moving retail and food and beverage product, and not having to run it through the main part of the park, but running it um, through the utilidor and up to the guests. That's, that was really important to the development of Walt Disney World. Uh, the story is always told about how Walt didn't like somebody going to work at the Jungle Cruise, cutting through Tomorrowland, which the costuming area was behind Tomorrowland, cutting through Tomorrowland to get to Adventureland. Or, um, and so that's part of what the utilidor was, was for. Utilidor is not uh, a very practical thing. Um, in further parks. Uh, they found other ways of just moving stuff uh, by providing backstage areas that could easily go into shops and by designing areas. There are utilidors other, in other locations, but they're very small compared to the Magic Kingdom. Still, the point is, you do not want a whole bunch of boxes and, and uh, toolkits and pargos and things of that in, in, in front of your, your customers. And so you want to make sure that those are kept put away. Uh, number six, being clear about when the cast is in view of the guests. And I show this with a photo of a yellow line that is placed diagonally um, in Frontierland. It is put in a place so that cast members know that when they cross that line, they must be um, in show, particularly parade performers. They they know, and the same yellow line is back behind City Hall. That yellow line tells you that um, until you cross that line past City Hall, 
you must stay in character. You must keep dancing. You must keep waving. You must keep smiling. You must be in character. And then the minute you cross that line, you drop. You drop character. You can go grab that Powerade. You can go um, take off items of, of costume. But you, you have to stay in show. And so what is that line? Where do you draw the line that says this is where you behave this way and this is where you behave this way in front of your customers? Seven, and this is one of the big things Disney has invested in, placing berms and other obstacles to remove distractions from the guest experience. And here I show an image of the Cadillac Mountain Range under construction at Radiator Springs. If you have been to Disney California Adventure and seen Radiator Springs, you know that there is this massive mountain range um, that lines up. The big reason, there are several reasons, but there are some primary reasons for that big range. Part of it is it hides the show building for Radiator Springs racers because you go through an indoor portion. And so to create the illusion, they hide that show building. As you see in a berm behind, um, for instance, the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. But the other reason they do that is because there are major, major power lines that are suspended. And while they were able to move those power lines in order to create the park, uh, those power lines still show if they had not put that massive mountain range behind it. And, well, my goodness, when that mountain range is lit up at night, it really is magical. Um, but they do that because they don't want the distractions. And that's why Walt bought up so much property at Walt Disney World so he wouldn't have an IHOP across from the Magic Kingdom. He wanted to put those distractions away. Now, obviously, you're not probably going to put in a berm. But how do you make sure that your customers are not distracted by other brands other than yours? are distracted by other products and services than the ones you provide. You want to make sure that you provide a very clear uh, focus on what you offer. Now, next is utilizing the senses. And boy, we could do a post podcast that talks about all the examples of how playing on the senses. And you think about the, the smell of the oranges when you went through Soarin' Over California. People still talk about that, even though it's moved on to the other film and it has other senses. That orange smell was so important. In fact, people remember the orange smell back in Horizons um, when they came out to the farm area and that part of the attraction. And that's just smell. Um, then we get to taste. Then we get to touch. And then we and the visual aspect. Oh, my goodness. It is so amazing. And the sounds of Disney. There are podcasts dedicated just to the sounds of Disney. Disney plays on all of the senses. In a, in a, par in a paragraph um, that was written by John Hench, quote, Think about it carefully. As we stand here and look at that castle, every one of our senses are coming into play. This is total involvement. You can never capture this moment and take it home with you in a camera or a tape recorder. You can only take this experience home in your mind. Now multiply this moment by an entire day, by a week, by a thousand other different experiences, and you start to get some idea of the Disney theme show. That is a powerful statement 
that there is something in the immersion of it where all the senses are at play, where you are truly brought in touch with, with your brand, with your products and services. And so think about how you can best utilize. And by the way, know that sometimes it isn't just about building on really positive senses, but being aware of those senses that can taint the guest experience. Classic example, a restroom that smells will turn anybody off any day. That's why it needs to be kept clean. And by the way, that brings us to the next topic. Number five, everyone picks up trash. At Disney, the mantra is everyone picks up trash. This is especially modeled by Walt himself in a photo we show on the show notes page. You see him, the leader of a studio, picking up waste, uh, picking up a popcorn container and putting it into the trash receptacle. A trash receptacle that is provided every number of feet, everybody says it's 29 feet, is not a certain set number of feet. It depends on the traffic flow. But it's put, at, but it's thought through very carefully to make sure that it's available. While there are custodial hosts and hostesses with a special responsibility toward more structured cleanup challenges, everyone still has a responsibility to make sure they do their part to keep it clean. Doing so also serves to level the playing field and setting more of a team message rather than a hierarchical message. I knew one guy who demonstrated when new employees came on board to his copy shop, he ran a kind of a copy store, he made sure to clean those restrooms. And then after he cleaned those restrooms, he walked the employee through and showed what was expected in cleaning the restroom because they all took turns in that little store. They didn't have their own custodial staff, they all took turns. He, he showed them what was expected in terms of keeping a restroom clean. Just little things like that. Um, there are other processes and systems that support this, but the message to everyone on day one is everyone picks up trash. By the way, when I interviewed years ago when I first came to Orlando, I worked for a water park and the guy in charge of the water park had been in charge of opening up Typhoon Lagoon at Disney. Let me tell you what got the job. As we walked through that water park, I stopped several times and picked up small pieces of trash. And did he pay attention to that? You better believe it. That was the selling point. I mean, I also had to have other criteria, but that was the selling point that got me the job. Pick up trash. Make, model the correct behavior. Pick up trash. Six, look at the magic. Look at the show from beginning to end. Now, there's a previous podcast. I provide a link on this. It talks about booking and bookending the, the theme park experience. And I start with the parking lot. And I talk about uh, the parking lot at Disney's Hollywood Studios, the previous design, but it still plays out today. You want to check it out because it plays on how, how the parking lot process sets up the experience in a beautiful way and prevents problems later on when you come out and you forget where you're uh, uh, car is parked. And so it's just a fantastic thing. Also, I show how powerful the beginning and the end of the experience is when you arrive at Tokyo Disney. Their front of the park has also been changed out at the at Disneyland Park, but the products and services they provide, it is, a, it is amazing how many 
services are spread out in front of the park. I also show a picture of guests lining up to come into the park before show opening and um, telling you thousands and thousands and thousands of guests and they are all uniformly lined up and there's no arguing and there's no bickering and everybody knows their place and everybody is carefully moved into the park and, and the same thing happens at the beginning of the day. We have, we have a phrase for this. We talk about providing a fond farewell at the end of the day. Uh, you want to take responsibility to maintain a consistent brand look, brand experience to your products and services from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. From the moment they come, the moment they're looking at your website to long after they have left your facility. The last concept I wanted to share with you was the idea of everything speaks. So if that's the case, don't ever break the magic. You want to make sure that everything, and it's so true, everything in your operation sends some message, some subtle hint about your brand, about the products and services you offer. Yeah, you don't have the kind of, you don't have castles and, and rocket ships like Disney has, but you have a brand and you want to make sure everything points to that brand and builds off of that brand. Um, from another post, I talked about an experience I had on the Disney Cruise Line where crew members were cleaning up the theater as guests were leaving the theater with industrial trash cans and other kinds of tools. A, a wise leader saw this happening in front of the guests and pulled them aside, even though they were trying to create a great show by cleaning things up, it was leaving the impression of a bad show by doing it in front of others. I also talk about a story John Hench shares about Walt Disney when he was at the Plaza Pavilion one day and observed a young man bussing dishes by scraping a bunch of food craps in a cardboard box in front of other diners at a table. Um, you want to read this because they're both really great stories, but the quote that I take from this is from John Hench. He says, quote, interestingly, for all its successes, the Disney theme park show is quite a fragile thing. It just takes one contradiction, one out of place stimulus to negate a particular moment's experience. Take that streetcar conductor's costume away and put him in double knit slacks and a golf shirt. Replace that old gay 90s melody with a rock number. Replace the theme merchandise with digital clock radios and electric hair dryers. Tack up a felt tip drawn paper sign that says keep out. Place a touch of astro turf here at a surly employee there. It really doesn't take much to upset it all. What's our success formula? John Hench goes on to say, well, it's attention to infinite detail. The little things the minor picky points that other companies just don't want to take the time, the money, the effort to do right. As far as our Disney organization is concerned, it's the only way we've ever done it. It's been our success formula in the past, and it will be applied to our future projects as well. We'll probably still be explaining this to outsiders at the end of our next two decades in this business. End of quote. Yeah, everything speaks. And you must make sure that whatever your customers encounter, 
that everything they experience is focused on optimizing your organization and brand at its best. Now, what makes a Disney at work podcast different than a Disney at play podcast is Disney at play. We love talk about all things Disney and the fun of Disney and the fandom of Disney. And, and we have some great shows, but here at Disney at work, we talk about ideas and concepts you can apply back to your business. Show may not be how you define your customer experience, but there are some souvenirs that you could take back home to your organization from this entire dialogue. Ask yourself, and these are written again in the show notes, how do you keep your operation fully functional and always ready for business? What is it that you want your customers to see and do when they are in your place of operation? What do you want to make sure they don't see or aren't distracted by? How do you welcome your customers? How do you provide them a fond farewell? How can you build on the senses to create the best customer experience possible? How do you keep your facilities clean, neat, and tidy? How do you maintain a consistent brand look and feel from beginning to end? What does Everything Speaks look like in your organization? What details do you need to pay attention to? And how intentional are you in making sure you provide a good show versus a bad show? Well, thank you for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. If you're listening to us, you undoubtedly have a love of all things Disney. Don't you wish you could bring this magic to your own place of employment? Well, that's what we do at Disney at Work. We bring you these concepts via our posts, podcasts, videos, books, programs, and consulting. We've spoken about creating a great customer experience through show today. Make sure you check out on Amazon my book, The Wonderful World of Customer Service at Disney, where we take these concepts and put them into practical ideas that you can integrate into your own customer experience. This week, I am introducing Disney Business Bits and Bites. Well, that's my operating title at this point. Maybe we'll recall something else later. But what it is, is it's video clips that will be on YouTube and on other social media. They'll be short little bits that will showcase many of the concepts that we've talked about out in the parks. So be sure to subscribe and look toward those Disney Bits Business Bits and Bites, I gotta practice saying that. Disney at Work is part of Performance Journeys, committed to helping you improve your organization. If you'd like a keynote speaker or a seminar for your business conference or group, we offer a variety of topics, not just on customer service, but leadership, employee engagement, teamwork, and so forth. We can bring these ideas and concepts into your organization and know that when you do so, you are working with someone who has successfully applied these ideas in the trenches for scores of organizations over the last 25 years. For more information, visit us at disneyatwork.com or performancejourneys.com. Better yet, just, hey, give me a call. Let's talk about your business. Let's talk about your needs. Let's talk about what's happening. Listening is the best gift I can give you. Feel free to reach out and let's talk. Thank you again for this week's show. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and we really appreciate those who take the time to share the podcast and others like it with friends and colleagues. 
This is a great thing to listen to over a lunch and learn at work. Just bring it, the message to others. We appreciate you doing so. And finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, that would be episode 37 if you want to go check it out. Be sure, always follow the compass of your heart. Hey, have a great day. <laughs>